Church in Sally, South Carolina. We pray God's richest blessings for you as you study His Word. All right, well, let's open our Bibles to Matthew chapter 13. You know, that caught me off guard a minute there. I'd forgotten uh, it'd been a week or a little more, and um, I forgot what the what the choir was singing today, and I was sitting down there, and uh, so then when I when I heard the music start, I kind of I got to come back up here and sing with that. That's that's a good song. I, I enjoy it. Thank you, Patty, so much for for doing that. Um, so Matthew chapter thirteen. This is a turning point in this gospel that we've been studying, and. Uh, here, here's something that is, I, I want to say it's ironic, but it's not really. When when God puts things together uh, in ways that you could never have possibly planned, uh, just because we don't have all the information, and so you know we just returned from a vision trip, a planning expedition, if you will, to Brazil, and we get back. Um, we fly all night Thursday night and, and land in Atlanta on Friday morning and uh, then drive back to to Wagner. Uh, I feel like Cooper Brown when he you know the familiar sign of Aiken County it's just such a such a good feeling when you cross into that that homeland and uh, it just makes you feel good you know to be back back home and uh, you start to think about things and um, realize all that you've experienced, and then you try to change gears and get back into. Uh, and I had read this scripture and, and many times through uh, during the week and prior to even going, and so I knew where we were headed, and I, I just had to put my thoughts back together after this week. But then you start to read the scripture in a, with a new lens uh, after the week's experiences in another country and and then you realize how it all just fits together and you just kind of sit there and wow uh didn't expect that you know god puts some things together and so here's here's the way that i'd like to introduce the text today you see on the screen the title of the message the scripture um, but here's the question or or maybe the statement you never know how people are going to respond when you share the gospel. You might assume or, or have a good guess maybe what you think is going to happen, maybe how you think they might respond, how will they react. You might have an idea, but you, you can't know. You can't know for sure, right? As soon as you open your mouth and you are obedient to the Holy Ghost and you put yourself out there and, and start talking about important spiritual things, you don't know really what's going to happen. You can't know because you can't know someone else's heart. You can just observe and, and look at fruit, right? And you can try to make an educated guess, but you won't know until you actually speak the name of Jesus and start talking about important spiritual things. So here's the question that uh, comes before us today. Have we shared the gospel to the extent that we understand what that feels like? Have we 
been obedient to the point that we can react to what I just described and say, oh yeah, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about because I was talking to this person the other week and I went to talk about some spiritual things and they were like, oh no, I don't really want to talk about that. And so I, I didn't see that coming. Or maybe just the opposite. Maybe you can say, yeah, just two days ago, you know, I was talking to this person about Jesus and the gospel and they were totally in sync with me and I, I really didn't expect that. I thought they were going to kind of push back a little bit, but they didn't. We had a great conversation about Jesus. It was wonderful. You know, but you don't know. So the question before us is, are we, are we in that mode of, I'm going to tell somebody about Jesus, and although I can't know how they'll react, I'm going to find out because I'm, I'm going to go there. Right? I'm not going to be timid. More, more to the point, I'm not going to be disobedient I'm going to speak the name of Jesus and the chips are going to fall where they fall, right? So in this particular text today, matter of fact, you could look at the cover of the bulletin and you see a very familiar title. Matthew chapter 13, verses 1 through 23, the parable of the sower. The first of seven parables in this section of Matthew's gospel, but one that's unique. And I would, I would venture to say that, uh, and also as I've read and kind of confirmed my thinking, I'll just tell you what one, one uh, commentator said, uh, although this parable is usually called the parable of the sower, its interpretation by Jesus indicates that it is really about the soil, which stands for the varying responses to the message of the kingdom. See, we, we know who the sower is, right? It's Jesus. Jesus is throwing the seed out through... He might use us to do it, but He's throwing the seed out, right? So what's the real focus of today's passage? What kind of soil, what kind of ground is the message falling on? So let me read the Scripture. The text will be on the screen for you to follow if you'd like. Or you can follow in your uh, personal copy of God's Word. Matthew chapter 13, beginning in verse 1. And we'll go to verse 23. Here's what the Bible says. That day Jesus went out of the house and was sitting by the sea, and large crowds gathered to him. So he got into a boat and sat down, and the whole crowd was standing on the beach. And he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, the sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate them up. Others fell on the rocky places where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up because they had no depth of soil. But when the sun had risen, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. Others fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked them out. And others fell on the good soil and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. He who has ears... Let him hear. And the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And Jesus answered them, To you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been granted. For whoever has, to him more shall be given, and he will have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has shall be taken away from him. Therefore I speak to them in parables, because while seeing they do not see, and while hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. 
In their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is being fulfilled, which says, you will keep on hearing, but will not understand. You will keep on seeing, but will not perceive. For the heart of this people has become dull. With their ears they scarcely hear, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise they would see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and return, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, because they see, and your ears, because they hear. For truly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see, and did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is the one on whom seed was sown beside the road. The one on whom seed was sown on the rocky places, this is the man who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no firm root in himself but is only temporary. And when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he falls away. And the one on whom seed was sown among the thorns, this is the man who hears the word and the worry of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. And the one on whom seed was sown on the good soil, this is the man who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and brings forth some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. Father, in Jesus' name I pray you will speak clearly to our hearts today. Give us understanding by your Holy Spirit. And by your grace, Lord, may we be obedient to the word you give us. In Jesus' name. Amen. This, this is familiar, right? Most of us, if, if not all of us, have heard this parable before, right? Haven't we? You can nod, it's okay. Yeah. So, this is a story that's told maybe in Sunday school, maybe in Bible school. It's not a part of the Scriptures that may be more obscure where people, you know, you really have to read the Bible to find it. It's, this is something, this is one of the highlights, right? This is one that, that many people know. So there's three things that Jesus does in this passage, and they're pretty simple, but I, the reason I went on to verse 23 is because this is one of the rare times when Jesus teaches a parable, then the disciples ask, hey, why do you do that? But then the very next paragraph, Jesus explains the parable. So we don't even have to wonder, well, what does that mean exactly? Jesus tells us exactly what it means, which is great, right? When the author explains what the author means, it's hard to misunderstand, right? That's a good thing, okay? So that's what we have before us today. So the first thing we see in verses 1 through 9, Jesus teaches, right? He teaches the parable. So you see the setup, the setting of what's happening in the first couple of verses, first three verses really. Jesus moves from the house to the sea. Large, cra- large crowds gather as usual. So Jesus gets into a boat. The crowd gathers on the beach. And Jesus starts to teach the crowds in parables. And he begins with this particular one. Okay, And so this is, this is why I read that quote to you earlier uh, about... Um, the subject of this teaching. It's called the parable of the sower. I don't, but it's really the, the soil, right? It's the soil that's in focus. That's what we need to know about. So, 
the sower broadcast the seed onto four different soils, right? It's clear right there in the, in the passage down to verse 8. And so you have some that fell beside the road. And what happened to it? The birds came ate it up, right? It's gone. Some fell on rocky places. There wasn't much soil. Uh, rocks all mixed in. So it sprang up immediately. But when, as soon as the sun came up, they got scorched and they withered because they didn't have any roots. Right? The third one fell among thorns. What happened to that? The thorns come up, choke it out. Right? No fruit. The fourth one. The fourth one is the good soil. And the good soil yielded crops, yielded fruit. And it says, it ye- listen, this is important, it yielded fruit in different quantities. So I, I don't want to get ahead of myself here, but... You can see the spiritual implication, right? We, we, listen, this is very helpful. I, th- I really think this is helpful. On a practical level, we, um, we follow Jesus. That means we're good soil. We hear the Word, we receive it, and we start to bear fruit. We start to uh, be progressively sanctified, uh, made more like Jesus. We're growing in our spiritual walk, which is a good thing. But, did you ever notice this? Not everybody grows at the same pace. Right? Anything wrong with that? Not a thing in the world. Not a thing in the world. What's important? Are you growing? It don't matter if you're growing at 2 miles an hour, 10 miles an hour, 50 miles an hour. It doesn't matter. Are you growing? Do you know Jesus, and are you growing? So that last soil sample that yielded fruit, some 100, some 60, some 30, guess what? All three of those are wonderful. We, we, we don't need to uh, compare ourselves to somebody else's spiritual growth. We just need to say, am I growing? Is Jesus doing something in my heart? Yes, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. Because it doesn't matter. We're all going to the same heaven if we know Jesus. And if we grow at a different pace than someone else, that is okay. The important truth is, are you in the family? And are you growing closer to your Father? That's the important point. So when you see this first nine verses and you see uh, the different soils and the different uh, outcomes... The comparison is not the three different uh, amounts of fruit in verse 8. The comparison is the four different kinds of soil in the whole text. You see what I'm saying? So here's what we don't want. We don't want to be one of the first three. We just want to be the fourth kind of soil. And then the amount of fruit we bear, that's that's a whole different conversation. And it's all good. Okay, We just want to make sure that when we read this text, that we read the four kinds of soil, the four different receptions of the Word of God, the message of the kingdom, we want to, you see the title up there on the screen? The receptive heart. We, we don't want to be by the road or with no roots or, or among the thorns. We want to be good, fertile soil. 
And we want to have a receptive heart. When we hear the Word of God, we want to hear it, we want to receive it, we want to understand it, and we want to obey it, apply it. That's what we want to do. Does that make sense? Now, look at verse 9 before we go to the next one. Verse 9 says, and Jesus says this all the time, He who has ears... Let him hear. Now, let's pause quickly. Anybody not have ears in here this morning? I'm looking. I think everybody's got ears, right? Physically, you got ears, right? That's not what he's asking. Are you listening? The word of the kingdom of God is being proclaimed. Are you listening? He who has ears, let him hear. In other words, don't just hear a sound and then just it goes away, you're not paying attention. Pay attention to what is being heard. Really tune in and engage with what Jesus is saying. That's what verse 9 means. It's not that just, you know, you can hear a sound and just kind of dismiss it and, and you heard it, but it didn't really register, right? That's not, that's not what we want. Are you really listening? Are you really hearing what Jesus says? So he is encouraging everyone who hears. Hey, pay attention. That's what he's saying. In, 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 my, in my understanding and interpretation of this verse, it's as if Jesus leans forward. You know, sometimes when I walk to the edge, and like Chris says, I think he's going to step off and fall. If he doesn't pay attention, he's going to... Step off this front. You know, whenever I whenever I come from around here and I get right here, I'm, I'm you know what I'm trying to do. Does anybody know? Why do I do that? Please, please listen to what I'm about to say. That that's what I'm doing. I'm 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 doing a physical, visual, uh, nonverbal communication. I really want you to hear what I'm saying right at this point. And and it's it's as if Jesus has just taught the parable and, and said everything about the parable, and then in verse 9 he steps out and says, Hey, pay attention. Listen to what I just said. And that's what Jesus is saying to us right now. Pay attention to what he just said. Jesus teaches. Number two, Jesus answers. From verse 10 to verse 17, the disciples wanted to know, Hey, Jesus, why are you speaking parables? Why do you teach like that? There's got to be a reason, and there is. Jesus answers. He answers their question, and he makes a statement, though. First, he says, he looks at his disciples, okay, followers. He says, it's been granted to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom. But then look what he says. It's right there in the text. The second part of verse 11. It has not been granted to them. Now, who, who's them? It's those who are the larger crowd that has gathered to hear, but what has been their response largely so far? Whatever. See, what has happened up to this point in Matthew? From, from Matthew, um, really, Matthew 5, the Sermon on the Mount, up to the end of 12, what has grown and grown and grown and grown more? Opposition, right? Opposition to the message. So, 
you got all these people standing there, gathered up on the on the uh, beach, listening, hearing, but not yeah, hearing but not listening. So Jesus looks at his twelve and says, "It's been granted to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom, but it's not not granted to them." Anybody know why? Let me. If you're an adult, put yourself in your in your younger childlike self for just a minute. And if you're under 18, just think think about who you are right now. All right, everybody, everybody in the childlike mindset. When your mom and daddy told you to do something, how many of you always, every time, listened first time? I better put my hand down. I didn't do that. Did does anybody obey their parents? Very first time they're told to do something. Your 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 daddy's pointing at y'all. He's pointing. Yeah, you you learn to do that, right? You learn to do it. Okay. So so I want you to think of that in in this perspective. All right. When when daddy tells you to do something and you continually don't do it, there's consequences, right? And they could. Very, right? <laughs> yeah, Harry said, no, the consequences were always the same. And they were always bad, right? And that, that's fair. That's fair. But there are consequences, and you learn, right? So, you, you know what Jesus just said? You listen. So I've given you access. It's been granted to you. To understand these mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But these, these other folks? How many times have I talked to them already? We're in chapter 13. How many times has Jesus spoken and taught and pleaded? And, and how many times have people said, no, I'm, I'm good? It, the more you say no, then eventually Jesus said, all right, fine. You're not going to understand. You don't want it, you're not going to get it. Right? Everybody gets what they want. You lean in and you listen to Jesus and, hey, this, that sounds pretty good. Tell me more about that, that. And Jesus says, okay, let's talk. I'll tell you everything you want to know. Right? But you keep rejecting. How many times do you get to reject the gospel before Jesus eventually just says, okay, that's the way you want it? Okay. Now, whose fault is that? Is, is it Jesus' fault? Because all of a sudden, you don't get to understand. Because see, some people will look at that and say, oh, well, what, you mean God, God doesn't want those people to understand? That, that is not what's happening here. How many times does He have to say it? Right? It's the fault of those who would not listen and respond to where Jesus just finally says, okay, that's the way you want it. That's the way it's going to be. So when he said, that's, this is a very, very important principle in, in this Scripture. Because uh, one, the same commentator, David Turner, he says, this manner of speaking is due to the rejection of his message by many of his listeners, but it's ultimately due to God's purpose to reveal the mysteries of the kingdom to whomever he chooses. To those who have the understanding, more understanding will be given. But those who do not have it will lose what little they do have. So when you read this Scripture, and it says, whoever has... Verse 12, it's right there. Look at verse 12. Jesus says, Whoever has, to him more shall be given. 
and he'll have an abundance. In other words, you hear the message of the gospel, and you say, yeah, I want to hear more about that. Then Jesus says, awesome, I'll give you all you, you can handle. But then look at the rest of verse 12. But whoever does not have, even what he has shall be taken away from him. You want to reject Jesus over and over and over again? And then whenever, listen, this is important, whenever it suits you. Oh, all right, Jesus, I'm ready for you now. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Sorry. You had your chance. You had multiple chances. And now all of a sudden you're ready to hear me now. Now it's on your time schedule. It's convenient for you to hear the, the Word of God now. Really? You, let, me, let me just, if you don't know this already, this might just change your life. You don't set terms and negotiate with the God of all creation. When, when God speaks, you listen and you pay attention. We are in no position to bargain with God Almighty. It's His creation. We are His creation. And the fact that He would even bother to come to us and, and want to gather us to Himself, that's a, that's a miracle. I mean, can you, do you understand what's happening? The God of the universe has condescended to become human form, to walk among these sinful people who constantly reject Him and persecute Him, and He is pleading with them, please listen to me, please come follow me, please let me love you, let me forgive you. And they're like, eh, maybe, if I feel like it. The audacity of someone. Do you see this in the text? The, the text is so clear, you just can't imagine how, how people just, they just don't get it. They think, well, I'll just, I'll, deal, I'll, I'll worry about that whenever I feel like it. Okay. I mean, if that's the way you want to play it. But that, you're not guaranteed unlimited chances. Right? That's nowhere in the, in the directions to this game. You don't get unlimited life. You know, anybody, anybody play games, video games, used to be able to, if, if you read and studied and researched and maybe heard it from a friend, you could take your controller right when you turn the thing on and punch in all these different little uh, sequences of, of buttons and all of a sudden, oh, unlimited life. I'll never die in this game, right? It was like a little cheat code. Heaven doesn't have a cheat code. Heaven's got a Savior named Jesus. And He has graciously opened Himself up to us many times. And it would be to our best interest to listen, to pay attention, to obey, to surrender. Because the text says in verse 12, if you're listening and you're paying attention, you're going to get more understanding. If you reject the message, then even the little bit you've heard is going to be taken away. And it's God's prerogative to do that. You know, how many times does He have to plead with you? And He speaks in parables to those who continually ignore this message. They're able to see, but they don't see. They're able to hear, but they don't hear. And so they don't understand. Right? Have you ever, have you ever had a conversation, and, and you'll understand what I mean when I say this, have you ever had a conversation with someone who's blind? Or... Um, uh, um, communication with someone who's deaf, sign language, or 
Have you ever, have you ever done that? Can you imagine how that person may look at you or me if we just take our sight and our hearing for granted like it's no big deal? When, when they don't have it. What they would give to, to have that. And, and we just act like, oh, it's no big deal. I can see. I can hear. So what? These people, they can see, but they won't see. They can hear, but they won't hear. So they don't understand. And then they wonder why things go wrong. Why, why their life is in shambles or why they don't understand, they don't have any answers to life's problems. They don't have any peace and joy in a, a world of, of chaos. And it just doesn't make sense to them. Because they have eyes, but they're not, they're not seeing. They have ears, but they're not listening. So they don't understand. Matthew 13, 11 through 15, which quotes Isaiah. This is why... Alright, so this is why I read Isaiah 6, 1 through 8, because guess what text is quoted right here in verses 14 and 15? Isaiah 6, verses 9 and 10. So where I stopped at the beginning of the service this morning when I read from Isaiah, these two verses is what follows that. And Jesus is applying that prophecy to this generation in this text. And look what he says. With a hearing, you will hear, but you won't understand. You'll see, but you won't perceive. The people's hearts have become dull, so they scarcely hear. They've closed their eyes. Otherwise, they'd see and hear and understand. And if they did that, what would they do? Look at verse 15 at the end. They would return, and they'd get healed. But they won't do it. They could, but they won't. And so, in verse 8 of Isaiah 6. That's what I ended on this morning. Then I heard a voice. Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And Isaiah says, Here am I, send me. Well, this is the message that he was sent with. To tell these people, Hey, what are y'all doing? You can see, but you're not looking. You can hear, but you're not listening. You're not understanding. But if you would do those things and return to God, He would heal you, but... Guess it's not going to happen because you won't do it. That's the message. And so this section of Matthew, which cites that part of Isaiah, is one of the strongest biblical affirmations about God's prerogative as He reveals Himself. And in the Bible, if not always in Christian theology, in the Bible, the sovereignty of God and the responsibility of mankind go hand in hand. God is, he, I mean, He's Lord. He can do whatever He wants. But guess what? We have a decision to make. We need to pay attention. And we need to respond to the gospel. Doesn't that make sense? So the disciples are blessed because they see and hear. You see that in the text right there, verse 16? They're blessed because they see and hear and they understand. And verse 17 talks about people who would love to have been able to see and hear what they're seeing and hearing. It talks about many prophets and righteous men who wish they would have seen and heard the things the disciples have seen and heard. And if you want to write this down, you can look at it later. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13. Because what Jesus says right here 
in verse 17, about how there are many people wish they could have seen this and wish they could have heard this. There are people that are talked about in Hebrews 11, verse 13, who didn't get to see. It's, that's the Hall of Fame of Faith, right? Chapter 11, Hebrews. And there's people he, he talks about there. They didn't get to see all. They saw it from afar. They, they believed, they knew it was going to happen, but they didn't get to see it. They didn't get to hear it. Old Testament saying they didn't get to see what these disciples are seeing. Right? Jesus is right in front of them. You know how they would have longed. They, they read the prophecies. They, they knew what was going to happen eventually, but they didn't get to live to see it. And these disciples, in other words, don't take for granted what's right in front of your face. How many of you have a Bible? You got a Bible? You know how many people don't have a Bible? You know how much of a blessing this, just this right here, you know how much of a blessing that is? So it would do us good to count that as a blessing and not to just dismiss it because not everybody has that. Last thing, Jesus teaches, Jesus answers, now Jesus explains. Jesus explains this teaching about the soil. And so I'm going to just quickly go through the explanation, verse 18 to 23. The first soil was beside the road. People hear the word, but they don't understand. And so the evil one comes and snatches the word out of their hearts. So we're talking about superficial hearing about the kingdom that is messed up by the evil one, by our enemy, the devil. So superficial hearing. In other words, you hear it, but you don't really care. That's the first one. The second soil was in rocky places. So this is Jesus describes this as people hear the word, they immediately receive it with joy, but there's no root, so it's temporary. And as soon as there's any kind of affliction or persecution associated with the word, they just they fall away. Now, you know what this would be um, compared to in, in our day. This is um, an emotional reaction to, to a message or an environment. And, and in Brazil, they call this black wall churches. And let me explain to you real quick. Let me explain to you. It's all about the environment. You walk into the sanctuary, the walls are black. The lights are low. Smoke machines are going. The music is perfect. And professional musicians and all this. And, and it, there's an atmosphere right but if you're not careful all that's nothing wrong with that on its face nothing's wrong with that but if that's all there is and there's no focus on the word of god then here's what's happening that is an emotional manipulation to get you feel some kind of way so even if there's no substance to the words that are spoken you just feel oh you know, your emotions get all on you. And, and when you get all in your feelings, but you don't hear the Word, then you're all about the feeling, but you didn't get a message. You didn't get any truth from the Word of God in some places. They're not all like that. I'm not trying to paint a brush over everybody, so don't hear me say that. Because there are some that just happen to have that environment, happen to have, you know, kicking music and all this stuff. But then when the preacher gets up there, he lays down the Word. And, and that's great. But there's many more the majority that are not like that. And so that's an emotional reaction, the second one. The third one, third soil, among the thorns. People hear the Word, but it becomes unfruitful, and the Word gets choked by the, look, look at the two things, by the worry of the world 
and the deceitfulness of wealth. Things that will distract you from the Word. It's unfruitful. This is a a promising hearing, it looks like at the first, but in the end, there's too much competition from worldly stuff, especially greed. So the first three examples, Jesus says, no fruit. No fruit. Which means, no salvation. No salvation. Only the fourth soil produced fruit. It was good, it was receptive. People hear the Word, they understand it, they receive it, they bear fruit. Some a hundred, some sixty, some thirty. This is obedience to God's law as it is taught by Jesus. This signifies genuine discipleship. And it's significant that fruit is born only when there is an understanding of the message. So let me just tell you in layman's terms real quick. If we come in here together and we walk out of here after the time we spend together and everybody just feels real good about themselves but nobody is convicted by their sin and in touch with the Holy Spirit, then, then we have failed miserably. Because no heart change is going to happen. If, if you walk out of here and you're just like, man, I, I just feel great about myself. Then, then somebody needs to tell me because I failed you miserably. I, I have failed you. Because what we, ought, what we ought to be feeling when we come together here, when we walk out of here, every single one of us, we ought not to be saying, man, I feel good about myself. We ought to be saying, I feel so good about Jesus Christ. I'm so thankful that Jesus would love me and forgive me even though I am terrible. What a Savior! That's the, that's the thought. What a God that would treat us this way even when we deserve so much worse. The fourth soil produced the fruit. Obedience to God. So this, this first parable, it goes a long way to explain unbelief. Do you realize that... Alright, here's the summary. Real quick, audience participation. How many soils were there? How many bore fruit? One. You know what percentage that is? One out of four, which is 25%. What's the other side of that? 75%. You hear what what Jesus is saying? What are our expectations when we share the gospel? Do we just think everybody's going to just get saved and come to Jesus? Jesus Himself was on the earth. The author of the the living Word of God standing right there. And He Himself said, 75% of you are going to go away. You don't want what I got. 25%. It's kind of discouraging if you think about it. But that's reality. Because did you see? Did you see the things, the types? This is so relevant to us today. What are the types of things that will hinder the reception of the gospel message? Satan, persecution, and greed. Verse 
That's the top three. What keeps people from running to Jesus? And look at the three soils. Satan, persecution, greed. So, preachers, not just me, preachers of the gospel would do well to warn people who are listening of the danger of having a heart that is hardened toward God but available to Satan. Or a heart that's open to superficial emotional influences but closed off to getting deep in the Word. Or a heart that is easily attracted to worldly wealth but is easily distracted from the kingdom message. And this is, this is heard far too often from far too many pulpits in far too many churches. Well, let me give you three ways to a better marriage or five ways to financial freedom. Or You know what? How about tell me about Jesus and how I get saved and go to heaven? I mean, it's not that complicated. And the thing we have to remember is spiritual maturity does not happen overnight. It's a long process. Uh, Eugene Peterson actually wrote a great book called A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. It means every single opportunity is important. Um, and, and I'll just say that maybe I'm biased. I'm, I'm sure I'm biased. I'm sure I am. But I, I'll tell you just how I feel. I was... 5,000 miles away in another country doing God's work. And you know what? I still hated to not be here with you. This is a blessing. Being together when the church gathers is crucial. Think what you want, say what you want. It's crucial. Yeah, I was. We we were with another church. You know, we, we were not not like we were skipping church. We were at we were in church, but I I I wanted to be here with my family. It means so much. We we have to make the most of every opportunity, every single one if we want to be close to Jesus, if we want to grow in His likeness and grow in the grace and knowledge of our Savior, Jesus Christ, we have to take full advantage of every opportunity. Don't squander it. Don't squander the blessings God has given us. Let's pray. on Berlin Baptist Church, we invite you to explore our website at www.berlinchurchsc.org.